As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Hello and welcome to the Last Jedi on the Left podcast, uh, and this is the first episode of the 1999 special season that I'm doing uh, here to celebrate the 25 years. Uh, we're doing 25 different films from 1999. Um, first up, we've got a uh, frequent guest of the podcast, uh, Joe. Hello, again. <laughs> Glad to have you back on. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Um, so like you say, we'll, we'll sort of, uh, we'll dive in. I know you were, uh, you, you, so basically, like I say, for these, I gave the guests choice of, as I do with, with the main podcast as well, the choice of, you know, which film they'd like to go through and and uh, obviously, but particularly from the year 1999. And, and at first you were kind of a little, because obviously, I mean, me and you, we'll, we'll talk about any old shit really, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but, but we sort of said like, uh, you know, let a few people pick and then you can kind of go at it from there. So you, you although you've, you're on first, you were one of the, later ones to pick um yeah but you've chosen at least for your first one because uh, we may have you back on later on in the in the season it's but uh, <laughs> yeah but uh for your first one you've chosen uh, a room for romeo brass yeah um probably not the first one people would think of i don't really want to mention other 1999 films because i don't want to spoil things which other people might mention but uh yeah gone for a homegrown film to begin with yeah like i say i suppose it is that little bit of uh probably not the first film that a lot of people would think of but um uh, definitely an interesting pick now uh i'll hold my hands up straight away and say although i consider myself probably a fan of shane meadows work i haven't seen all of it and i hadn't seen this prior to to watching it for this podcast although it was always one of them that i was aware of I did yeah. not get round to, um, but I hadn't I hadn't seen it ahead of this. So, um, what uh, what sort of memories have you got of seeing it? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm kind of similar to you in a sense. Obviously, a massive fan of um, Shane Meadows, but certainly haven't even to this point watched all of his films. Um, and it's not even a case of not seeing the early ones and sort of haven't because he's so eclectic even now. I mean, he did a show this year, didn't he? Um, which I still haven't got round to. It was kind of a, uh, what was it, set in the sort of Tudor sort of times? I'm not sure. Might have got that wrong. Yes. I believe it's got like the usual sort of cast of people that he usually yeah, uses, doesn't it? In yeah. there, like Michael Soccer. Yeah, like that's that. the guy, yeah. Um, but no, I haven't, I mean, I'm quite behind on a lot of his, his TV stuff as well. He's kind of... Yeah, yeah, he's kind of moved into that sort of area now, hasn't he? Um, but yeah, in terms of Romeo Brass, um, in t- the first time I watched it, I'm not actually sure I could pinpoint the, the time that I watched it. It would be, I think, after This Is England, it would be sort of the 06, 07 range, because I've got a bit of a funny history with Shane Meadows in the sense of the first film I actually watched was um, Once Upon a Time in the Midlands. Okay. 
which was like you know it's not that highly regarded in in his sort of filmography now by by many and I, I've only ever watched it once but I remember my mum had it on DVD um, and I think I was going through a bit of a Robbie Carlyle sort of phase at the time yeah so yeah. that kind of um, connection to it and it got Ricky Tomlinson in and didn't realise you know sort of it's all of the Ken Loach kind of uh cast really um but yeah that was the first one I ever watched it didn't really stick with me I don't think I ever went back to it um and then of course uh I vividly remember my next door neighbor when I still lived at home with my parents sort of he'd come round for a drink with his wife and my mum and dad and their kid and we were just having a chat and he said oh there's this new film out called Dead Man's Shoes it is extraordinary and I didn't see it at that moment in time it's probably still a bit too young but you know when you just pick these sort of things up and you're like I've got to put that in the memory banks check that one out so as soon as it came on like channel four um stuck it on the VHS or whatever and uh yeah watched that film blew me away um and then I thought that was kind of it for Shane Meadows just like you know because it's that point in your life where you're not really following the directors or anything like that you're just like oh that's a cool film um and then this is England obviously dropped and then watch that blew me away again then started to notice oh okay this is the same guy who did dead man's shoes need to start checking this guy out and one of the first ones i went to was romeo brass because of the vicky mcclure and andrew shim of it all uh, and obviously obviously paddy considine um and yeah i think it's one i've grown to love over the years i don't think it's gotten as immediate an impact as dead man's shoes or this is england but i think the more you watch it the more you sort of see oh yeah there's Everything that he's going towards is sort of there, um, which I'm sure we'll come on to discuss. But yeah, a bit of a weird sort of uh, history with it. It's not one that I saw in 99 and went, this is going to stay with me forever. But it's one that's sort of grown with me over the years. And I'd say it's right in there with Dead Man's Shoes and uh, This Is England. That was my favourite sort of uh, Shea Meadows films. Yeah, um, I mean, you picked up on a few things there because it's kind of interesting. I always think of like 99 to be kind of the end of an era in a lot of ways for films um Mm -hmm. but that's particularly like the american side of things and obviously this is the british side of things and it's almost the start of something i mean literally the start of of meadow's career like you say in particular of of his filmmaking that he'd go on to do everything that you've just talked about there but um but it is kind of like the the beginning i mean in a way i feel like him and, and everybody at the forefront of that sort of film four movement and everything that are coming through around this time. It's he's kind of changing how British cinema works in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah. Uh, not like not that, that I don't think his films could necessarily have not been made in a different decade or anything like that. But his influence is definitely outsized, I think. Yeah, he's definitely he's not in the collective of like Loach or uh, Mike Lee or Alan yeah. Clark, but he's, you know, he's, he's indebted to all of that stuff. And then he's part of the newer wave, which I would put like Edgar Wright in there, um, Ben Wheatley, you know, who kind of come a little bit after him, but they're like the new wave of, of British directing stars, I guess. And they all owe a debt to what's gone before. Um, but they've managed to forge their own sort of path. And Meadows in particular is like a Scorsese nut as well. And it's really interesting how he sort of weaves that in, you know, the taxi driver stuff with Dead Man's Shoes and sort of even the earlier Scorsese stuff 
with with this you can kind of feel it a little bit that kind of on the ground kind of foot um filmmaking that he's got going on here it's not like perfect it's not it's still raw like and he's kind of always tried to carry that on i think even when he's got the budgets and he's got the acclaim and he's got the starts he's still very much grounded so yeah um i think that's what makes his sort of films unique there's nothing he's doing that hasn't been done elsewhere but he kind of collects a lot of different influences together and makes something original out of it i think and something distinctly his yeah definitely um i'll I'll mention it now as well because it's not a 99 film so it's not going to come up anytime soon and i don't know if i ever will do a, a an episode on on dead man's shoes but uh, my memory of first time watching that was um it happened quite a lot where when i was younger obviously i was living at home as well and like my mom and sister would would go off on like a girls weekend or whatever and they do whatever they wanted or they'd go away mm-hmm. and me and my dad would kind of stay at home and that'd be like the saturday night where they'd be away would be our we're sticking on a boys film awesome we're getting a takeaway <laughs> in and and we're doing that and uh in this particular instance i vividly remember it because uh mum and dad had, had got rid of the settee uh sofa and everything and they were waiting on a new one to be delivered so it's like me and my dad are sitting in the living room in deck chairs watching <laughs> dead man shoes so so it's a vivid memory for me Perfect. that one but uh but yeah. yeah um so yeah that that kind of uh is our our history, I guess, with with the, this film in particular, but in Shane Meadows. Um, how what uh, are there any? What are your favourite parts from this this film? I've got stacks. stacks <laughs> good, this. good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I was sort of working through it in my mind earlier, and uh, I mean, it's kind of the whole film in a way. But I'll I'll be a bit more specific. So, I think the the intro in particular, um, with uh, Romeo and Gavin when they go to the chip shop. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's just, I haven't seen, because Meadows did do a couple of films before. Um, he got a short called Small Change and he got that 24-7, which was the boxing drama. Never yeah. seen either of those. But, you know, might, they might have his sort of still unique uh, dialogue exchanges, but it feels like that's the first, like, true... You, you could take that sequence and put it right into This Is England. In fact, he kind of does it in This Is England 90 when they're after the chips outside the back of the school canteen. Yes, yeah. It's kind yeah. of a little callback to it, so... There's, there's a lot of that in those, like, in the, the, uh, the, bit, the bit as well in... I think it's this is England '86, isn't it? Where Sean's going to get bullied for having his chips or whatever. Yeah, yeah. There's that yeah. moment as well. It's kind of all that very. Yeah, totally. Um, and obviously Meadows appears himself as the uh, chip chippy owner <laughs> with a uh, absolutely stunning blonde wig on. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, uh, and he offers uh, Romeo the, the family pack, so he, he takes that. <laughs> and then uh, you get all the whole credit sequence, and then it, the, the credits end, and it just cuts to him sat like forlorn on the park bench, going, Look how many's left. My mum's going to batter me. <laughs> and then he takes it home, and she does just go mental at him. So, yeah, just a great, great intro. Um, it's. it's- the best bit about that is, like you say, because he's, he's eating his chips as he goes along. He's walking home or whatever. And uh, his mate's with him as well. Like, And he's like, can I have a chip? He's like, no, no, these are my chips. You should have bought your own. They're not his chips. They're meant to be for everyone, but he's just <laughs> eating them all. 
<laughs> and he, he has a word with himself at one point. He's like, oh, why do I always do this to me? And Gavin's like, because you're fat. Yeah. <laughs> it's just great. Great, great intro. Um, and then I, th- I like the introductions to the other characters as well. So like Gavin's dad, who's uh, just a bit of a knob, <laughs> for want of a better word. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's, he's classic. You know, if you've grown up in England, you'll you'll understand this, especially lads. If you've got a football and you kick it over the neighbour's garden, they're either cool with it or they're a nightmare with it. And Gavin's dad's a nightmare with it. Um, so he threatens to like stab the ball or whatever. And uh, the little kid says, I'm going to go and get my daddy's a boxer in Batty or something. And it's just like, it just reminds me of me growing up, you know, these kind of exchanges. And then Romeo's just hanging out the window, just pissing himself laughing. So, yeah, it really gets you sort of into that world straight away. Definitely. Um, it, it does set the scene really well, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the next bit would probably be uh, when we're introduced to Paddy Considine uh, or Morel. Morel? Morel? Morel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Morel. Um, I mean, I could pick every Paddy Considine scene in this film, to be fair, but um, <laughs> it's the, the kids are walking over. Well, Gavin's walking over the, the school, uh, over the field, isn't he? And he's getting picked on by the two lads. And then Romeo gets involved and they have a bit of a tussle. And you see Morrill just like walking out from somewhere with a couple of like cans of Diet Coke or something. And I don't know if he's nicked them and he's chucking them in the back of his van. And then he comes straight over and he's just got that distinctive accent and he's like, get off of your bastards. (laughs) And just, yeah, gets involved with them. Um, And then that's the introduction to him. Uh, And then, Straight away, because we'll get onto this a little bit more, I suppose, but it's a very funny film, but it's also tinged with darkness. And immediately, you know, Morel, you, you sort of see him and he's he's clearly a lot older than these kids. And he's there and he's getting involved in the fight. And then it, it cuts again and you see him driving them back in his little shady van. And immediately you're like, this isn't right. He's got these two kids in the back of the van here but it's played yeah. for jokes in the early stages um and then obviously he gets out and he lays eyes on Ladine, which is uh played by vicky mcclure in a fairly i think it's her first role isn't it i think it must her, be early yeah yeah her and andrew shim and paddy i think it's all of their first roles um, right okay but yeah as soon as he lays eyes on her and he's just uh, obsessed with her uh and he's immediately sort of inviting himself in. <laughs> it's like, have you got any TCP? I can come in and help you if you like. <laughs> so, so, yeah, uh, once he lays eyes on Ladine, I guess that's sort of the um, the setup for the rest of the story then, isn't it? Is uh, infatuation with her and um, the probably the first standout scene that everyone will remember is the tracksuit. That was the first, one of the ones I'd picked up yeah. on, definitely, yeah. It's just brilliant. Um, Gavin, he sends Gavin in to Ladine's shop to uh, basically do uh, a bit of a recce on her and find out what she's into in terms of style. And Gavin plays the trick on him, tells him completely the wrong attire, um, and he dresses in one of these absolutely shocking sort of pink and black 80s shell suits. <laughs> and uh, he never cottons on. Um, I don't know if I've explained this yet, but Morel's not, you know, the quickest guy in the world, is he? No, um, no, definitely not. Yeah, so he's not really cottoned on to uh, to what's going on. 
And then uh, to top it all off, when he walks into the shop, he goes flying on the floor as well. I don't know if you remember that bit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, I've got... There's the, um, there's the bit just before that as well, isn't there, that's the... Uh, he's, I think he's walking down. I think it's, I think it's when he's in the full shell suit and he's about to go into the shop and some lads are sort of half taking the mick out of... Some random like lads are taking the mick out of him. And uh, I think his line is, uh, I can't destroy you today, lads. I've got important business. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's has he got one of them, I don't even know what you call them, those sort of visor caps. That oh, I think he has, there. yeah, yeah. Like a visor, isn't it? <laughs> and yeah. he's, he's sort of doing some like sort of kung fu with his arms. He's like, I can't deal with you today, lads. I'm busy. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, so that whole sequence and and then that kind of continues doesn't it a little bit where morel's trying to just entice ladine and and he kind of at one point you sort of feel sorry for him a little bit don't you because you can see he's a bit slow um and then i think he stands outside the shop with some flowers or something he's trying to apologize apologize to her yeah and uh at that brief moment, you're like, oh, you know, he, he's a bit dim and he, he shouldn't really be hanging around with these kids, but his heart's in the right place. Um, and then I think my next favourite scene would have to be the trip to the beach, which is when it turns a little bit. Um, I'm being careful not to describe the entire plot here, I suppose, for people <laughs> who do want to watch it, I guess. So yeah, these are, yeah. These are all sort of in the first 30 minutes, so I won't go into too much detail on the on the later scenes. But, yeah, there's there's that moment where he speaks to Gavin, doesn't he? Outside. It, it sort of it takes a turn, and uh, Morel very much goes from the... He's a bit odd, but he's kind mm-hmm. of a bit of a lovable weirdo to, well, he's got an edge about him. And yeah. It comes through very much in that scene, which then sort of spurs on the rest of the, like I say, the rest of the plot. Definitely. There's, um, there's, there's a couple of times, particularly in that, and you'll probably know better than I do, actually, because I'm watching how Paddy's kind of playing Morel and everything in this. And obviously there's a little bit of an age, like there is literally the age gap between him and, and mm. uh, Vicky McClure and Andrew Chin. And it kind of makes me wonder if that age gap wasn't necessarily there. Does Paddy end up playing Woody in This Is England? Because mm. there's very sort of similar, like quirkiness to those characters. I think now, obviously, Woody's different character completely than Morel, um, but it is that kind of way that I guess it's been written. It's interesting that Paddy Considine wasn't a part of This Is England. I mean, he was. I don't know if you know about the deleted scenes. For this is England ninety. Uh, it rings a bell. I can't they're, think off the top of my head. They're on YouTube, and he plays an awful, unspeakably awful character in it. Um, and you can kind of see why it was cut. It was. It's all the stuff we combo in prison. It's, yes. Basically. Yeah. I remember now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just as you said that. Yeah. But that's this is England ninety, and it gets cut anyway. And he's never a part of the show up to or the film up to that point I, I think he was just so big by that point um it's possibly i mean it could be like uh shane turns around to him in 2005 or whatever and is like do you want to do my small film that i'm doing and by that point he's already done yeah he's off you in know. america and all sorts yeah by that exactly point, isn't he? yeah 
Yeah. He'd probably not been in the Bourne film by that point, I don't think, but you know, he's, he's not far from it, kind of. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know he'd done a few sort of bigger films, uh, in that even the pre, prior to um, Dead Man's Shoes, he was kind of he was on the up, wasn't he? Yeah. and people like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Um, or maybe he just Shane just felt he didn't fit into that. There was no character for him, I guess. I don't. I don't really know. But um, I mean, he definitely could have done it. But yeah, it's it's interesting because you can see again. It, it, you can see the consistency of these characters throughout the films, can't you? With Morel and then Woody, um, different ty- kind of characters, but there's that same sort of in to them, you know, in terms of you, yeah, you're drawn definitely. to them in, in, in that way. So, yeah. Um, and, and Romeo Brass is like 100% like a the the acorn that grows into the the big oak tree that is shorn effectively in this is England, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, hundred percent. So it's um, you know, yeah, because he's got a bit more of a chip on his shoulder than you first think, hasn't he? I mean, we haven't mentioned um, when Frank Harper's character Joe turns up, um, and he's Romeo's dad, um, and he's you know he's, he's frank harper so you can kind of <laughs> yeah. guess you know yeah he, yeah he's a cockney wide boy he's <laughs> yeah. gonna probably rough people up and exactly he's um, got a history yeah he's got a history that's it yeah and he's the estranged dad so he's you know it's not a bed of roses but romeo isn't afraid to sort of like tell him to f off or you know um stand up to him a little bit even though he I mean, it's deceiving because he's a little bit older than you actually think he is because he looks like about 10. <laughs> but he's yeah. about 15, isn't he? Or I was going to say, that's the thing that got me particularly in this is he looks 10 or 11, but I think he was 15 when they filmed it and he was the same age as Vicky McClure, who looks that's 15 mad. or yeah. 16. Yeah. If you watch this film, that's mad to see, to think that they're within a year of each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, crazy. And it's also mad then to think that Paddy Considine's character is... Going after Ladine, so yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But it all adds to it, and um, that is the that is the beauty of the film. I think is this underlying. You can kind of tell straight away that he's way older. I mean, he's a guy with a car who's running after a couple of kids in a field. Like when I put it like that, <laughs> it sounds even <laughs> yeah. worse. But you, you know, there's there's that hint immediately, as I say, when he turn when the kids turn up in the back of his van back home. Um, but you, you, it's very cleverly done in the sense that you think, oh, he's just this, like, he's just dim-witted. He's just hanging around with people his mental age kind of thing. And there is a bit of truth to that. But because he's an adult, because he's got strength, because he's a little bit out of control and a little bit unhinged and a little bit egotistical, I mean, the whole thing is him sort of showing off to these kids about how much more he sort of lived through. And, I mean, there's a bit where he says to Gavin, like, Gavin, he says, are you putting that on about your back? And Gavin's like, no, I've got an operation next week. And he's like, well, I had something wrong with my back. I broke my back right at the bottom, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And he's like, yeah. he's always got to have had something more than these kids. And you're like, dude, you, you, you're 10 years older than them or whatever. Of course, you've lived through more things, you know. It's like, you're not impressive. But in a way, we've all met people like that as well who hang around with the younger generation and think they're the the big guy and then you grow up and you're like god what a loser he was you know or she was <laughs> yeah it's funny because like you say now never never to the extreme that obviously this film goes to but i, I do remember being roughly romeo's age and there being 
somebody older than you who would hang around with you mm-hmm. and they would be, oh, they're cool because they've got a car or they can do this and that. And then you grow up and you think, God, yeah. that was that was weird, wasn't it? Now you think yeah. back. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, like I say, I, I never ended up. I never ended up getting as close to him as Romeo does either. To be fair, so maybe yeah, was... not in the back of the van, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's where I guess the film's a little bit more prescient as well, because it's probably nineteen ninety nine. It's probably on the cusp of where parents were a bit more lenient with kids, and we weren't so aware of the dangers just around the corner, kind of thing. But I think the film is sort of pointing to that, where if you're not careful, you're kid could get involved with somebody who seems harmless but you know and, and and it isn't the worst you know it doesn't go all the way to like tragedy or anything like that but it's just a it's a classic british tale of everything's not quite as it seems and it, you know if you're not careful it can be dangerous um, i mean i i kind of i obviously i was talking about um letterbox down here so um my I mentioned it in my letterbox review of it when I saw it recently. Is that for me the whole film is kind of about the f- the failings of both of these boys' parents. Mm. Now that is in very very different ways because like uh, Knock Knock's uh, parents are both there. They both seem to be fairly you know loving parents, but they're just incapable in one way. Particularly his dad, like you say, yeah. <laughs> he's just incapable. He's just not. He's just not a father figure for one reason or another. You know, he's just not. And then the flip side of it is Romeo's family, where Romeo's mother seems decent enough, but obviously she's very overwhelmed as a single parent. And the father kind of helicopters back in. There's obviously the past there that I don't think we really dive too deeply into as to what happened. No, uh, not really, no. Romeo is obviously intent on never forgiving him for it, whereas... The dean kind of is a little bit more. Yeah, it's quite interesting because sometimes you'd think the elder would be the one who remembers things and is less forgiving, but then it's daughters and their fathers, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it plays into that dynamic a little bit. But obviously, he's kind of this not present father. That's he's just obviously it's very clear that Romeo has been lacking that father figure in his life, and that's kind of where he falls in with with Morel a little bit. Um, yeah, so yeah, did... kind of a really interesting in that way. I did want to talk about Joe a little bit as well because I think it's an interesting um, representation of that character because I don't know if it's because I've seen Frank Harper in 50 crappy British gangster films and you just expect him to come in and tear up the place and there's that possibility in there but it does feel a bit more nuanced than that. It's like has he turned a corner as an individual? He's obviously made mistakes and he's burnt too many bridges to an extent, but the mother doesn't seem like she's completely done with it. She's trying to make inroads to to fix things. She keeps telling Romeo, go and spend some time with your dad. Part of it's because she wants him to get out of her hair, but also, you know, trying to sort of fix it a little bit. And then obviously the way that that character sort of his uh, arc plays out as well throughout the film. You know, oh, he's not... He's it's it's so interesting in that way because like you say you're told by every character basically that this is a bad guy he's mm-hmm. done bad things in the past now and like uh, obviously frank harper brings that that uh, weight with yeah, him as well from yeah, like you say definitely. all the films that we've seen like all the you know rise of the foot soldier or whatever else yeah, that he's been yeah. in where he plays these characters so you know like okay 
he's a bad guy. We're being told he's a bad guy. I can believe it because I've seen him be a bad guy in all these other films. And yet almost everything he does in this film is yeah. actually, you know, pretty pretty good guy things to do. You know, he, he stands up for yeah. kids or something and, and, and various other people, you know, he, he uses the talents that he has yeah. as a character and as an actor, you know, yeah. in, in kind of good quote unquote ways. So I think that's a really interesting sort of nuance to this film. And again, not to go into too much detail on the plot points, but there's a showdown between him and Morel earlier. Yeah. And and you're still kind of, because you don't know Joe that well, and you do know Morel, you just naturally lean more towards the character that you know. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so you're kind of in that sequence thinking, yeah, go on, Morel, stand up to him, this bully. And we've not even met this Joe really yet. And he's still slightly humorous with it as well, where he's like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight you. And you're like, yeah, mate, you'd last about three seconds. before <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, Paddy Considine as an actor is still making you laugh. So you're still sort of on his side and he's so clever because by the end of it, you're like, yeah, you know, it's completely switched. But yeah. Um, I, yeah, I wanted to point out his character because I think although he's a side character, uh, I think he's really interesting. I think Frank Harper as well. He's quite an underrated actor, um, you know, cause, because of the sheer number of like crappy British gangster films that he's done over the time, over the past. But uh, that's yeah. it, I think, isn't it? He's one of them that like when he's given chance to sort of. I don't want to say spread his wings because he's not even playing against type particularly here. No. Nah, but nah. when he's given something a little bit more to chew on, maybe. Definitely. Then, uh, yeah. then yeah, he, he can sort of show through a little bit. Um, I kind of feel like we've we've covered off the next section pretty well because um, the, the, the next section is always, how do you think this film's aged? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think both of us are fairly in agreement that it's aged pretty well. It's still... Very much a product of its time in a little way, because, like you say, parenting is probably a little bit different nowadays. But in the fact that for me, it's it's kind of the the proto version of This Is England in terms of like Romeo Brass is very much like say Sean's character. He's got the the different, but he's still got the the father issues that are there, and he's got a mother who's trying her hardest, but she's struggling, and if he, he falls in with a bad crowd because of the, the absent father issues and stuff like that, so it's it's yeah. a very through line there, and I think obviously it leads into effectively Shea Meadows' entire career that we've enjoyed for the last twenty five years now. So um, definitely, yeah. For me, I think it ages quite well. I don't know if you've got anything to add to that as well. No, I mean uh, the only thing is about the. Um... The relationship, I guess, between Morrill and uh, Ladine. I don't know if you would. I don't know if you could do that now, but that's probably in how is it aged, how how well is yeah. it aged, kind of. I mean, it definitely. It would definitely be possibly used nowadays as more of an early indicator to the kind of character Morrill is, whereas in the film it's a little bit more. Yeah, I guess it's the way it's handled. Yeah. It's it's handled delicately. Um, yeah, yeah. It was just one thing that obviously you know how old Vicky McClure is, you know how old Paddy Constantine is, and you're like, oh, that's a red flag straight away nowadays. But yeah, um, other than that, I, I mean, I don't mind films exploring that as well. It's not like oh, that's a reflection on the film. I think films should be able to explore any 
sort of subject as long as it's you know delicately handled yeah yeah exactly like it, it's not going out and saying that that was the right thing for either of them to do no. and literally spells out at one point it's not the right thing for either of them yeah, to do but yeah but yeah. uh but yeah i think you're right it, it probably would be handled very differently if that film was being made today yeah um yeah it's brilliant so yeah that i mean that kind of Rounds it up a little bit. It kind of leaves me with the last question that I'm going to be asking people on this. And that is, who owns the movie? So, like, who do you think this film belongs to particularly? And that can be anybody who's in the cast, or it could be the director or the, the writers, which, you know, in this film is the same person. But um, Or it could be, you know, even, like, does this belong to... The year nineteen ninety nine in particular. Those are examples. Obviously, it's up to you where where you think you'd go with mm. this one. Yeah, I can see where you're going with the, the films. I think for me, uh, I, I I would have gone with Shane Meadows, but I think he does more uh, more prominent work as he as he moves on in his career. And the the same is true for the person I'm going to go for, but it's got to be Paddy. I think he uh, just every single thing he does, just the little. I mean, I didn't mention some other sort of sequences, but there's one montage where um, it's after Gavin's had his operation and uh, he starts hanging around with just Romeo because they've pushed Gavin aside. And there's just little tiny bits in that where he's like, he's playing football with him in the, in the street and it's next to some sort of garages. And it's just the way that he's placed the cones right next to him. So he's like made the gut that made the goal. Like a foot wide, tiny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's a, and the, there's a bit where he says like, "Punch my hand," you know. And then the, Romeo smacks his hand, and he's like, "I'm not playing anymore." <laughs> it's just all <laughs> these little lines. It's just is fantastic. And the last thing I'll say is it, it's an extension of um, some of the stuff that Paddy Considine did with Shane Meadows. It's all on YouTube, which is a bunch of short films. Uh, again, I don't know if you've ever seen them, but it's just Paddy Considine just adopting like a few like uh, facial props, like big teeth and things like that. And he just does a different character with a different accent every time. And they're like these three-minute short segments, and they're fantastic. Um, but, yeah, this is like a fully-fledged feature-length version of that. So, yeah, for me, it's Paddy. That's um, that's interesting, and I can't, I can't really argue because, like you say, he's the biggest character in the film. Um, I will say for me, I think it would probably be Andrew Shim, um, someone we haven't oh, spoken man. about too much. Um, I think he yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, he's, literally his name is on the the poster, which yeah, kind of helps, or yeah. his character's name at least. But the uh, the way he sort of plays the film, and like I say, he kind of sets out that cheeky sort of lad that. Everybody knows, everybody knew one kind of thing, especially when you were that age and he kind of that guy. I think he really plays yeah. it so well. Everything right from, like, say, that beginning scene that we spoke about where he's eating the chips and stuff and then yeah. he's distraught because he's eating all his mum's chips as well. And, and, uh, <laughs> and kind of everything that he gets away with. So, yeah, I think he, he's fantastic. I think he kind of walks away with it for me. But uh, I respect, I think I respect the uh, the Paddy pick. It's kind of cool how Shane Meadows has sort of traced his career as well. And Vicky McClure. Too, yes, definitely, through, yeah. Through This Is England, you know. It's nice to go back and see Romeo Brass and just see where they both started. And then through This Is England, they obviously have that really complicated relationship with two characters. And, yeah, it's really fascinating to kind of go back and just see where it all started. So, yeah, that's a good show. 
Yeah, definitely. Especially when you say like you've watched This Is England and, and the series of This Is England, and then you go back and go, oh, these look like five years. When they were 16, they looked about five years apart, and they were brother and sister. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, okay, that's uh, that sort of round, rounds up uh, Romeo Brass for us. Um, do you want to let people know again where they can find you? Uh, just on letterbox, I guess. That's my uh, only form of social media really nowadays. Check me out on there. Yeah. Um, as always, you can find me. Instagram is uh, Last Jedi on the left. I am at Aaron Lewis thirty three on Twitter for however long that's around. And uh, letterbox as well. Like I say, Last Jedi on left is the username on there. Um, so, Joe, thanks for thanks for coming on. Cheers. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks very much. And uh, until next time, goodbye.